Has anyone ever experienced like just uncomfortable honking or shouting when you guys are biking from the opposite sex? Oh, and yes. you're like, so oh, many, yeah. so many. <laughs> the big kiss every down. day. Yeah. <laughs> like kissy <laughs> face. The kissy face thing oh, is like oh, oh, my face. Face. <laughs> How can we get better reactions and relationships on the road with people who drive, regardless of what we're wearing, whether we're in kits or we're, whether we're in skirts? How do we achieve that kind of equity and what kind of um, education do we need to send to people on the road so that we can get to a better place? Radio. Thank you for listening into this special edition of Women Talk Bikes, and this is an LACBC show. And thank you so much, LACBC, for letting us host the show today. Today we have a special, uh, special show going on. We have a, an amazing panel of different women coming in to the studio. We have about nine women in the studio, and we have four women calling in later on in the hour. Uh, we're going to go do an introduction of everybody, and um, I wanted this. Well, first, before I start, I'm going to introduce myself. My name is Daniela Alcedo. I am the Pomona Valley Cha- uh, Bicycle Coalition uh, founder and chair. It is a local chapter of the LACBC. Um, and my inspiration for doing this show was just to actually have a show for that was tailored especially for women and just to show the diversity of women that's out there in Los Angeles right now. So um, I'm really glad I'm with all these special women right now, all these women that have done amazing things, and I'm going to hand it over to everybody to introduce themselves. Um, Also throughout the show, we'll be answering questions on Twitter. So for those who have asked us questions, we're going to do our best to answer them as all as much as possible and give you guys a shout out. So uh, for those who did ask us the questions, thank you so much for using the hashtag WomenTalkBikes. And um, yeah, so... Let me go around introducing to everyone. We're going to start on Studio D. Uh, I'm going to introduce you guys first to Jen. She is the LACBC um, Executive Director, and then go around from there till we introduce everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen Klausner. I am the Executive Director at Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition, and I'm super happy to be here because I am inspired by all of the women in these rooms and the women who are going to be calling in later. I think this is going to be an awesome show. I definitely could not do the work that I do for LACBC, and LACBC could not be as effective of an organization without all of you all. So thank you. Hi, my name is Henny Alamillo. I am the volunteer coordinator for Cicla V. I'm also a, a cycling league cycling instructor. Um, I'm very excited to be here as well, being part of this amazing panel of women here, um, hoping to share my experiences and bike advocacy. And then, of course, you know, getting out there and really just letting folks know about bicycling and what it really just how it affects you and changes you and all those amazing things that happen. So, yay. <laughs> cool. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Laura Torres, and I'm a volunteer for the Programs Committee for MCM, Multicultural Communities for Mobility. And I'm really happy to talk about bike. I love bikes. It brings so much positivity in my life and definitely to connect with these amazing women in the room so we can spread ideas, support each other, and just get more people on bikes, especially women. Hey everybody, this is Maria Sippin. I am a blogger for Pedal Love, part of Women on Bikes California, and also supporting Laura at MCM. I am here to tweet the hell out of this show, and you've probably seen a lot of that already using the hashtag Women Talk Bikes. I'm your social media, I would say, correspondent for all things Bike LA, CA by Bike, Women Talk Bikes, and your ally in health justice. Thanks for having me. My name is Siobhan Dolan. Um, I'm an amateur mechanic at the Bicycle Kitchen La Bici Cocina. Um, I also started Women Trans Femme Bike Brunch LA, and I am working on women's race clinics um, specific to Los Angeles and Southern California. Um, I ride with many of the women here tonight. I try to support everyone's work because I think we all... Um, at the end of the day, come together to really support empowering other women to find their voice and to feel free on a bicycle. So thank you for having us. Hi, I'm Susanna Lober, um, known to most of the bike community as Susie Steele. Um, I am a big part of Bike LA. I ride with a lot of different groups. And specifically, uh, last year I started the She-Wolf Attack Team, or SWAT, which is a ladies-only hustle ride. I'm Andrea Martinez. I'm one of the founders of the Bodacious Bike Babes, which is a cycling group uh, primarily focused on uh, in encouraging women to get out and bike if they haven't ever biked before. Um, I'm really excited to be in a group with all these amazing women. And as a uh, has been said, the collaboration is just very inspiring. We, we couldn't do it alone. And just to see the n numbers of women cyclists grow over the last few years since I've been out there is just, um, just really inspiring, bodacious, if you will. <laughs> I like that, Hi, my name is Heron Lee. I'm a current uh, graduate student, uh, student in a UCLA Master of Urban Planning program. I'm also a uh, Advocacy Committee Chair in UCLA Bicycle Coalition, which is a student organization that promotes bicycling and safe, safe and fun bicycling in UCLA and surrounding areas. I also intern for LACVC, and I, uh, I know already a lot of uh, panels here, and I'm really happy to be here, and I want to share my experience here in LA or even here, uh, even Japan and Korea that I lived in before. Thank you. So I feel like we all have one theme, and, and I'm going to start with one question that someone already asked us. Um, this person is um, Veha G at MT Fan. She asks, how do we see Los Angeles as a women bike-friendly city and its role in the world? So I feel like many women here are already doing <coughs> an action and a role to make Los Angeles bike-friendly for women. Would Let's see, does anybody have any things that they're doing in particular. I know that there's the Women's Bike Brunch. I've never been to that. But how how do you feel, Siobhan, does that make the the, the community for biking for women more 
accessible. I, yeah, I remember um, to sort of take the long, circuitous route to get to the answer, but I remember being at a Zocalo um, public uh, uh, panel, and the panel was comprised of men, and they were discussing um, how they felt that they could make L.A. more bike-friendly for women, and I felt that they were coming at it from a point of view that was, let's take care of women. We need to take care of them and make sure that they they get home safely, and I think it's really more about um, we're all equal, and I think whatever is good for me, which is try paving the roads, is really good for everybody. Um, so I think that it really needs to be looked at from an equality point of view that what makes safety is safety for every single person. But, you know, bike brunch and things like bodacious bike babes and, and really fun focused rides are about teaching people how to choose routes that um, and you can talk about things about, you know, what's the difference between. Um, taking a route that's heavy on stop signs versus uh, lights and how many lanes there are. And I think we talk about it in terms of taking care of e- each other and ourselves and not just about, um, you know, how is it good for for just women? Yeah. I mean, that was also another couple of questions that were asked up is, like, you addressed a little bit about infrastructure and having safety. Um, so how does that affect anybody else here that's, like, is safety a really important issue for you guys when you come cy- when it comes to cycling, biking in the streets, anything? It definitely is. And I would like to also give a shout out to the Varian Cycles um, because they have monthly bike rides where they tie it into a cause. So usually the bike ride encourages first time women to ride on the streets in a group. And it's also connected to either honoring our past, tying it in culturally um, to the urban setting or to other issues that are affecting women and that are relevant at the time. So just having, I think, a diversity of rides, whether it wants to be a fun ride, a food ride, an exploration ride, just having a lot of options so that we're hitting the different um, interests of women around Los Angeles. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I got into biking in LA on a group ride. It was Midnight Riders. And that's how I felt like it was safe. I don't know how, but it felt safe riding on the streets through those big groups. Has anyone ever experienced Mm -hmm. that? Well, I I feel like those like uh, party rides or group rides are geared towards like young, uh, young fit women like kind of like us. But like I I think the like really important part of the women bicycle advocacy is uh, like talking to promoting bicycles like among uh, moms or like people with children, and you know safety becomes a really really huge issue, and and. W- and Sikavia, I think, is providing a really, really great uh, place to ride a bicycle and experience those uh, feelings when you're on the bike and then give them, like, positive thoughts of using bicycle as a transportation mode. But I think L.A. still has, a, like, far more things to do to really improve the, like, daily sa- uh, daily safety on the, on the road. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if anybody else has the same... Uh, situation, but I was a driver first, and then I learned how to ride a bike. Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty late in life, actually. But for me to start thinking of the road not in driving terms, like, hey, there's actually some elevation changes on mm-hmm. roads in LA, and there, you know, there's more um, potholes than you actually think that there are. And you know, in a car, you're comforted. You have to sort of change your way of thinking about LA a lot of times to fit a bike. 
and then it, it opens up a whole new LA, but you know, you need to be able to talk to people of any of any writing style to be able to discuss LA. Yeah, I that was my experience too. I was a first a driver and then I became a bike rider when I went to UC Davis. And then again when I came back to LA and joined those group party rides. Um but I was so ignorant to the road before biking. I just was not paying attention. And now that I do cycle, yeah, safety is a big concern for me. And I want to address one guy who asked us a question, Neil28, who said, um, does personal safety concerns ever affect your decision whether to ride or when to ride? And if so, what can we do to, what can we all do about this? Does anybody? I mean, I think we're all kind of, you know, paving the way, um, I mean, every time you get in a car, like, you could get hit, you know, and not that many people are really scared of driving. It's just one of those things that you gain the confidence and, you know, it's a risk every time you get on your bike. It's a risk every time you get in your car or you get on a plane. Um, Yeah, it is. It's like, it it is a big risk that not a lot of people think about when they're not on their bike, but... When you are on your bike, you it's something that you have to constantly, I feel like I constantly think about. I don't know. What about anybody else in the room? Does anybody For else? me, it was kind of the opposite um, transition. Okay. And so I learned, and I was on my bike before I learned how to drive. I actually only learned to drive because it was a requirement for my job. Um, <laughs> but also okay. in the past, I was undocumented. So driving in the car was a lot scarier for me than riding my bike because I felt like dealing with checkpoints and law inform- enforcement, the risk were much higher in the car than it was to be stopped on my bicycle. But at the end of the day, I really think that riding my bike first made me a much safer driver because I oh, was yeah. I was conscious of the road. I was conscious of cyclists. I didn't have to learn to like not door people because that happened to me. Um, I knew that cyclists had the right to take up the lane because of my experience as a cyclist so I feel like I went into driving with a lot more caution. Yeah I feel the same way about being a driver now. I am way more cautious when I drive. I am always paying attention about the door zone about not even just cyclists but other drivers and using your signal which a lot of people don't use you realize is really important and if anyone has anyone out here ever taken like a one of those league cycling courses, like either 101. I know a few of us here are league cycling instructors, um, yeah, but I've has taken anyone taken any? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so one thing that they stress a lot is signaling, and you realize in a car how often no one does that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what? Yeah, especially LA drivers. Yes. <laughs> LA drivers are, are insane. So, I mean, it's just, it is a lot. You know what, though, you guys, I'm not sure if Neil meant this by his question, but I think that he might be asking about personal safety concerns that are specific to women. And to that, I would say it's not something that prevents me from riding, but it does often affect my route choice. Yeah. So, for example, if you have a commute that is the same route every day at the same time and some creepy guy is stalking you, (laughs) mix up your route. You know, go, go a different way two days of the week. Yeah. So, so there are some concerns, I think, that are specific to women. Yeah, I when think we're riding was... bikes or when we're walking or when we're out in the city, no matter what. 
And I think that, you know, maybe there are some some specific reactions or some strategies that we can have when we're planning a bike ride to kind of keep that in mind and be safe. Yeah. I definitely... I definitely get asked that question a lot um, as somebody that um, I go on night rides a lot. So sometimes I have a meetup. I'm with a group of guys. We go on a ride and then we disband. I might still have 10 miles to ride home and it might be 1 a.m. You know, and people ask me that all the time, like if I'm scared. And I feel that like riding a bike kind of gives you this confidence. And I'm like, well, I can out hustle them. But also (laughs) I do tend to take, you know, the more main streets, you know, and like more, definitely more lighted streets. M- yeah, more lit streets, you know, like I'll go down Sunset Boulevard or I'll, I might go a longer way rather than go some back way that I'm not necessarily familiar with. Were you, were you say oh, anything? I was thinking like maybe if I'm a daily commuter, then I would uh, I would choose the uh, we, I would know the route that that that'll be safer than other routes. Right. Mm-hmm. And but sometimes like, you know, Depending on where you go, like you, you, you tend not to bike because the way to get there is just too, too dangerous. You know that happens a lot in LA. Like for example, like people don't go, like don't cross the town like from east to the west by bike because there's no safe route or like to the valley. You know it's so dangerous to well, in, uh, in climb the Topanga Canyon. <laughs> in that talk, um, I actually grew up in southeast LA, and of course just living in that area to already it sounds like it's you know really dangerous and you know you hear about a lot of um you know gangs and all those other things but um at that point um i i tried to when i was commuting from work or from school i i had to learn to plan um my dad at the time was or he still is a messenger um car messenger by the way uh, <laughs> but he um he really taught me the streets and what is you know best for you to ride on and like at that time we didn't have you know bike lanes and all those other things and i felt um riding home late at night i'd get off at 11:30 probably like sometimes one i knew that if at least i myself was being confident enough to ride on these streets that it would encourage other people but um, I, I mean, that's the one thing you really just need to start stepping into. You can't, you know, just be very fearful of the fact that it's just because it's a dangerous street. You know, you shouldn't go. I, I don't know. I always felt like presence, you know, already started making some sort of impact. And then as soon as after <clears throat> I moved out of the neighborhood, next thing I know, I had I, I was looking at bike lanes there, and a lot of other people started commuting a little bit more comfortably at different, odd, uh, you know, really strange times, but it it added a little bit more to the safety, you know, context of it all. And so, I don't know, in that case, like, um, I don't really see um, it being just because it was dangerous. I mean, I think you just really have to step in there and just be that forefront person when it comes to things like that. Since we're on the topic of commuting, I would like to know for those of you who do commute, what helped you make that switch from maybe being just a recreational rider or just someone who races on the weekends to someone who commits to biking to work or biking to school? And what advice would you give to people who are contemplating commuting? Hmm. Um, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a regular commuter, but I, I commute to UCLA from K-Town uh, at least once a week, I would say. Um <laughs> But oh well. Yeah, what got you? What got you to wanting to do once a week? Well, uh, the health 
is a big uh, big benefit for me. So, I mean, I don't go to a gym because I'm a like full-time graduate <laughs> student and I literally don't have time to go to a gym. And then like an hour bike to UCLA actually gives me a lot of uh, like, you know, sufficient amount of like workout. And that's a huge benefit. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. Also... Mm. Any I, any other ideas? I try to do the same thing with my friend. I have friends that are like, oh, I want to squeeze in a workout. I'm like, well, why don't you just learn how to just bike to the grocery store? It's kind of like sneaking in your workout, but you're you know you're you're working out, you're doing good for the environment, and you're biking, and then and you went to the market. You also did what you needed to do, and I mean it's it's still a, a work in progress because I have friends that are afraid of the cars. They always bring up the car issue. But, um, you know, I just try to tell, like, you know, it's just going to – it's something that's going to change. And hopefully it's – even though you can be a really uh, great cyclist, you always have to be really aware of the drivers. And so they have to just really plan their route. But when I try to tell them that they can get cycling and exercise in, it kind of makes them perk up their ears a little bit. When I started biking, I uh, was a bike commuter from Echo Park to Koreatown. And the first day that I actually decided to do it was Earth Day. I was like, okay, it's Earth Day. I'm going to get into this for the environment. Um, the year before in Koreatown, they had done this no car day, Earth Day, right around Wilshire um, and Western. So I was like, okay, no car day, no big deal. I'm going to ride my bike. And um, that was kind of the first thing that got me out there. And I got really lucky and met another girl cyclist that first day. And we were going to the exact same location, so we started bike commuting together in the mornings, and that's what really got me going. And I also happened to be lucky enough to live um, near the, – the route went on the 4th Street, which became, like, one of the first bike-friendly roads that I remember. Um, so that was most of the route. And I also want to just make another note on the safety um, for bike commuting. If you do a regular route, I mean – I tend to always wave at most other cyclists I see. And if you see other cyclists, especially daily, wave at them, say hello. Mm -hmm. Even just people sitting on their porch or people walking, get to know the neighborhood and the people who live there, and you'll automatically feel a lot safer. Yeah, I lead a monthly bike ride in Pomona, and I, when we do it, I just try to wave to everybody. You, cyclists, people who are on the street walking, kind of to show them, like, hey, you know, cycling is, we're fun, happy people, like, <laughs> No need to get scared of us on the street. No need to be worried about us on the street. So many people are worried for us that we're on the street. And I'm like, no, you don't need to be worried. We belong here. We belong on the street. Um, so that's my take on that. I wanted to also jump back a little bit to what Jen mentioned about planning a route and about, um, you know, she mentioned a little bit like, oh, there could be a creepy guy there. Has anyone ever experienced, like, just uncomfortable honking or shouting when you guys are biking from the opposite oh, sex. And yes. like, so oh, many, so many. <laughs> big kiss every sound. day. Yeah. <laughs> like kissy <laughs> face. The kissy face thing oh, is like, oh, oh kissy face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> from like it's three not, lanes over. I don't yeah. know. And you why? know it's for you, too. You know exactly what I don't know why they do that or what they think that is. And it's something that I've only experienced works, in LA. But yeah. personally never know how to respond to it and yeah. I know I don't Steal even either I, I, that's what I've always thought but I, I also them. I've always also yeah, thought like just ignoring it kind of doesn't help the it as well so I mean what what is the best response in that whole case well, like well, what I've heard from my fellow uh, female cyclist was that she intentionally wears the short 
like really short uh, <laughs> pants or even skirts when she was on the bike because you know like drivers slow down like to pass him, uh, like, pass her. I, so literally, I that, that's how that working. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I that's kept, one of the tips I have. I personally kept using, and I have to throw this in there. I used the woman card a lot when I was riding, and I wearing a skirt or something bright or pink, especially pink or something patterned, it always helped. And then of course a big smile and. Then I'd get those kissy faces like, ah, at least they're slowing down at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, look at that they're pretty face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Shimon and I were actually talking about this like a few weeks ago on a ride about the difference, like, because we both ride around everywhere. So, like, we ride in full kits doing training, mm-hmm. but then we also ride in, like, you know, a dress, going to a picnic or a party or whatever, mm-hmm. and you get two different reactions yeah, from drivers yeah. for sure. Oh wow! So yeah, are when they're when you're in your dress, are they like the kissy face? And then when you're in your gear, are they just like yelling at you, like <laughs> get off the road? When you're in your gear, I don't think at first from afar they realize you're female. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that's different. Like usually when they realize you're female, they kind of like slow down and are a little less aggressive. Not always. Not always. Yeah, not always. Yeah. I think they um, uh, sometimes when I'm. You know, in the kit, a lot of people think that we're going to be more aggressive, maybe, um, yeah. because we're, you know, not kind in our little pink skirts. But um, so we sometimes get the reactions first before and because we've done almost nothing. But um, you'll 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 feel what cars are thinking, what drivers are feeling and thinking, I think, a little a little more when you're um, not wearing like your regular clothes. Yeah. I still get the kissy faces even in yeah. a kit though. <laughs> yeah. How how can we get um, better reactions and relationships on the road with people who drive um, regardless of what we're wearing whether we're in kits or we're, whether we're in skirts? How do we achieve that kind of equity and what kind of um, education do we need to send to people on the road so that we can get to a better place? Uh, communication yeah well Com- like the law the law the three feet law just that just passed in uh, california you know like bi- cyclists know about it but you know drivers don't mm-hmm. like, there's a huge gap between a uh, cyclist uh, recognition of the uh law yeah. or law related to bicycles uh and drivers so i think that's a really really huge issue um and it has to be addressed uh, by DMV, I would say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. DMV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why don't we see mm-hmm. stuff in in our, you know, driving manuals? It's, we have, you know, laws dedicated to bicyclists, but why aren't those in our, you know, driver's tests? When especially when people move to LA or come yeah. from somewhere else, you know, or come from a non-urban environment to an urban environment where you have to share. The road. I don't understand why we we read about motorcyclists and cars interacting, but why not human bodies on two wheels like, <laughs> traveling through time and space along with you? I don't see why we don't. Well, I recently went to Portland uh, a month ago, and drivers there were extremely extremely nice to even <laughs> pedestrian and anyone like any any anything or maybe. Even dogs and kids, <laughs> everyone on the road. Yeah, and I was really, really impressed. And then maybe, maybe the reason is you just see so many people on the street, and that's how P- Portland is. And you know, if you go anywhere, you can see a cycle track or bike lane or even at least a Cheryl. You know, 
Well, so that's really important. <laughs> well, that makes me wonder: is that like also a sense of community? Like, yeah, is yeah, Portland yeah, yeah, proud? Yeah, exactly. of, I'm pretty sure Portland's proud of their biking infrastructure, and I'm sure yeah. either, whether you're a cyclist or a driver or a pedestrian, you're proud of that. So, is there something? That's not here in Los Angeles. That needs to happen. Or is that I, I something that people aren't reconsidering? Like, just well, like this is my um, community. I need to take pride in it. Just like she, oh, I think it was Shannon or Sharon that mentioned earlier about communicating with every other cyclist that they see on the road. I think the same thing should fall on us as well. Um, anybody that we see on the road, even when we come to a stop sign or just or even a red light, I mean, just a simple hello, hi, or just a waving, something of that sort, communicating, stopping, you know, eye contact, or even if you're riding, constantly looking mm-hmm. to the back and just letting that yeah. person acknowledge the fact that you're aware that they're behind there. I, I, that communication factor is really important on our end to let them know that we know that they're there and we want to be able to, you know, make this a team effort that we are both on the road and we're both trying to get somewhere. But, of course, you know, let's figure this out, whether it's just by hand signals or nodding our heads. I mean, I've seen that work a lot, and I, I think I have less of a aggressive by commute because of that. I, I try to be friendly. I try to smile. I try to stop. You know, I'll pull over to the side and just, you know, wave my hand. You guys can pass me because obviously I'm going slow. But that for them, that's an indicator to know that, like, you know, I'm trying to work with you, and so I hope you can work with me, or at least you can get a good impression out of all of the other cyclists in LA that you know we're we're all in this together. We're all trying to get somewhere too. I think also having conversations about bike safety and respecting each other as humans mm-hmm. um, beyond the road. Mm-hmm. I know I have yeah. friends who love cycling. I love friends who they're like, oh, that's good for you, and I have friends who have told me about their rage against cyclists and how they don't follow the rules and they roll through stop signs and they ride the opposite way and they swerve and all of these things. So I think also offering them the space to vent those frustrations and remind them that it's not everyone who's breaking the rules and, you know, hey, you're my friend. Like, I'm also on the bike and I'm doing my best to follow the rules and try to not get all crazy on them because that could be me like we live in the same neighborhood we're going to the same places at some point that could be me next to your car and you know you're my friend don't hit me yeah yeah um so i just also wanted to do a shout out to bond chicken who or what what was it bond chicken 18 who asked us a question about uh aggressive um or how could we respond to aggressive drivers while we're on our bike? Has anyone, does anyone have a good strategy on how to, when someone's driving by you really fast and was there something you can say or do that can motion at them that you're like, hey, I see you, but I'm not going to give you the finger. Something like. Or kissy face as well, maybe? Do the kissy face as well? Do a kissy face while they're speeding past you? Probably. (laughs) Throw them for shock. (laughs) I once thought that I should write some messages on marshmallows and like throw them into their window because I just want to send like a peaceful message to them, but I haven't quite thought of of it yet. Um, At Petal Love, we've been trying to brainstorm like how can, can we get more allies out there Um, We've had some people asking us on Twitter, you know, I'm a dude. I want to support women. What can we do to support women who are biking? And then, of course, there are people who are not asking how they could support us. But how can we get them on our team, basically? How how can we get them to support us? Because I think the ally building is so important. And I I think we, we need to focus that a little bit more in what we do as advocates or just everyday bicyclists. Yeah, well... 
Yeah, bigger <laughs> army. I think um, also just education to families and outreach in schools. And I know that there's um, the city actually has some proposals and um, organizations that they're working with uh, to help teach children. Um, right now it's just in the elementary schools how to bike safely and how to navigate on the roads. But they're trying to – the city's trying to get funding to also do that in high schools. And I think if we can, you know, have – someone's daughters, you know, or sisters, also getting this education, bringing it home to their parents, teaching them, you know, hey, I'm out there on the road, too. I remember there was a commercial that went around um, a few months back, and it was basically about how this girl got on a bike and her dad was driving like a maniac. I can't remember what the commercial is now, but it was like, I thought it was, you know, kind of outreach like that that's really helpful, that like, hey, it's not just a stranger on the street, but it's your, like you said, your friend or your family member. And um, if people just can understand that, and realize that we are in this together. Yeah, uh, what Germany does is uh, they have an official uh, bike license program for elementary school students. So every elementary student has to get a bicycle safety license uh, at their uh, fi- fifth grade. So that's uh, some something that you can we can do uh, at a f- policy level. Uh, Jen or anyone else here, uh, do you have any suggestion to uh, legislators and or? Well, that was actually really quick before. Um, I think the Bike League asked a question. Is there anything that they can do to help organizations like LACBC or riders or other groups that can bring women to to the to cycle more often? So I wanted to just do a shout out to them for asking that question. But Jen, I'll let I'll give you the floor on that one. Well, just to to bring it back to the league and and what they're doing um, for women and to try to achieve better equity within the bicycle community, um, they definitely have a a concentrated program that's looking at that right now. Um, It's new. I think they started it last year, and there are some really great people involved. Um, The National Bike Summit is coming up in early March, and the first day of the National Bike Summit for now the second year in a row is the National Women's Bike Forum. So they're separating that out a little bit for better or for worse, um, but they are um, giving women's issues within the bike community kind of a, a, a special place and a special voice at the National Bike Summit. Has the anyone wi- been to the National Bike Summit besides you, Jen? Uh, Jen? I'm not sure. Anybody? I've been to the women's one when it was in Long Beach. Oh, yeah. I went to the one in Long Beach like two years ago. Oh, yeah. That was that was affiliated with Pro Walk, Pro Bike, which is a different national conference that moves around from city to city. Um, but the League of American Bicyclists hosts the National Bike Summit in their hometown, Washington, D.C., every year, every March. Um, And it's an opportunity um, for us as a a national community to really um, talk about the issues at the federal level. The final day of the National Bike Summit is a congressional lobbying day where um, we go up on Capitol Hill and we meet with our representatives, or typically with their staffs, but the staffs are the ones who make the policy recommendations, so that's not a diss at all to meet with the staff. Anyways, it's a great experience if any of you can ever make it to Washington, D.C. for the National Bike Summit. I think especially coming from a huge metropolis like Los Angeles, it's so important for us to be represented there 
at LACBC, we deal so much with the local issues. We've got 88 cities in Los Angeles County. It's the most populous county in the nation. And we deal really on the local level. We are super fortunate to have great leadership at CalBike, um, working at the state level in Sacramento on a lot of those issues like the three-foot passing law that you guys brought up. Um, but at the national level, we have the League of American Bicyclists, and I would definitely encourage any of you all or any of our listeners to get involved with them if you have not already. It's important for us to have voices at all of those levels of policy, oh, local, yeah. I, state, and federal. I, I like being involved with the League of American Cyclists because they have good newsletters and they are very informative in their information, things that I would never really pick up on, but because they just for signing up on their newsletter, you're just becoming aware of what's going on. Um, and actually, the sorry, that was Women Bike who asked that question. They asked, what can national organizations do to help support great um, state and local groups? And I feel one one thing I want to chime in on that is um, I, I love being going to women's summits, um, organiz- con- conventions, things like that. But I also would like to see if things were done in a much smaller scale. Um, just because, yes, Los Angeles is very huge. It's 88 cities. And there are some people who are involved in the other side of the county who are just going to say, no, I'm not going to go to that. But they want to get involved. So maybe having things in, like, little small subgroups around the county would be something that would be that might pull in people that normally would not an attend an event, I think. But that's just my, my thought on that. <laughs> um, so... Um, that was that um, for national, for organizations on what we can do. Is anybody here involved in anything that Im- works with, like, local, um, like, with children groups or anything like that? Anybody that works with kids? At the, um, at the Bicycle Kitchen La Bici Cocina, um, it ebbs and flows. It depends because we're all volunteer-run, and if we don't have the volunteer uh, manpower, we can't run it. But we try to run an earn a bike, which helps uh, teenagers or kids aged 12 to uh, 16, basically around high school. Um, we encourage them to come in. Um, we set up after-school hours at, uh, at the kitchen, and we teach them how to fix up donated bikes that we have, so keep donating. <laughs> and uh, when they're done, they're able to ride that off, and most, for most of them, it's their main form of transportation, which we highly encourage, and I think... Um, some comments that have been said by volunteers that have run it, uh, including myself when I've helped out, is um, the female students that come in feel very empowered. It's their chance to get away from maybe bad situations in, in high school. You never know if someone is picking on you or, you know, it's been a while since I've been in high school. It could be far worse sometimes for some students. And it's their freedom mobile to get away, to get home to get through neighborhoods that they have to pass through to get home. Um, so it's incredibly encouraging for us to continue doing that kind of work. Right now, another volunteer, Jose, is working with the Breezy Foundation and their, their kids. And another uh, volunteer we have is working with uh, GLBT students. Um, actually, they're not really students. They can, they can be runaways and they can be just you know p- uh, folks that, that come into their shelter. Um, to also give them uh, that empowered and free feeling to be able to be mobile in their lives uh, by bicycle. Yeah, I I I once helped um, with this high school program in Pomona, and 
it was just a day where they were learning how to ride bikes or mainly for racing. Um, but I noticed that there were a lot of females that wanted to really, that were really excited to doing that, but then they ended up going, oh, but, you know, I don't have a bike or that's just my brother's thing. But they really wanted to get involved in that. And that's something that I wish I had more more time to do and more resources, in fact, to, to get more high school teenage students involved. So that's really awesome that you're doing that because I feel like that's, a target group that's that's the future i would yeah. say yeah. so that's they need that encouragement and empowerment do you guys know there's a program um for high school mountain bike racing called the socal league it's actually no. in a number of states right now and i know that they have a goal of being in all 50 states i think it's by 2020 i hope i'm not making their goal too ambitious i might be wrong <laughs> um but anyways it was started in northern california with the norcal league um, for those who don't know, I'm also a board member with CORBA, the Concerned Off-Road Bicyclists Association. I'm, uh, I kind of came through mountain biking into this world that we're in. Um, but there's a great high school mountain biking league that kids are literally getting varsity letters for r- racing mountain bikes now. And there are colleges who are looking at this, you know, pretty, cr- pretty cr- critically. I think that there's the potential for a similar road racing league. Um, and I'm not sure that they've ever had one here in California for high school. Oh, that's, Man, where was that stuff? That's when I was pretty a kid. cool. Oh, so yeah. I jumping or adding to that, um, I am Hellsbot asked a question: How do we attract more women to competitive cycling? I am not a competitive cyclist. Is anybody here? Does anyone involved in that? Any well, ideas? I think one of the things going back to just that mountain biking thing is. Cycling in general is kind of like road racing. It's not necessarily new in the United States, mm-hmm. but it's not necessarily popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in other cities or other countries, you know, in Europe, it's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of colleges that have like road racing teams and stuff, but there's not a lot of people that necessarily like think about that or know about that, like, you know, trying to earn a football scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a competitive racer now, and this is going to be my first full season in uh, northern and southern California. And um, I I guess I was always told growing up that I just wasn't really good at sports. You know, don't get hurt. I don't want to deal with it, you know, from parents. And um, just you you really just need to focus on school. You know, you just – you're not going to be good at that. You're not going to do well. And so I never really – tried and um it's really amazing and beautiful to find uh competitiveness inside me that is very healthy <laughs> and it's really really fun i i think that some of the organizations especially in southern california right now are not doing enough to outreach to women and to encourage women to race um that's why i really want to start um attempting to host some women's racing clinics just to just to teach. I mean, it's it can be fun. You can get to know a lot of other women um, from all over the state and all over the city and around that you wouldn't normally have. It's a very close-knit community once you, you're in it, and uh, there isn't anything to be afraid of. Um, you get hurt, you get you can get hurt anywhere. Yeah. You can skin your yeah. knee, you know, <laughs> tripping down the sidewalk. It's uh, it's really not like that. Um, I, I encourage anyone to do it. So yeah. How I, long have you been racing then, doing this? Well, um, 
I'm on the fast track. So I learned. <laughs> I only learned how to ride a bike three years ago. Oh, and wow. this is my first year racing. I got a coach so I could sort of get training and get going and get wow. physically but fit. But your Twitter name is Spokescal, right? Uh-huh. Breaking the Limit. Breaking okay. the Limit. And, you, and you've just been cycling for three, three years. Three years. Yeah, I was a late, really late <laughs> bloomer. <laughs> but, but still, I'm, I don't know. I'm just looking at the Twitter name, and I'm like, okay, that sounds like someone that's been cycling forever. But you've just no. been cycling for three years. Yeah, I mean. Anything can happen. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Anything is possible. Anything can happen now. I feel that I can do anything. There isn't anything that can hold you back. And for me, cycling really became that way to um, find my physical body to be exact, perfect the way it is. And the strength that I found and the community that I found and the support from other women that I found, the friends yeah. that I found, you can break through anything. I, I love that. That's so mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> and it's so true, too. For me, the cycling community was just something I felt so comfortable getting involved with and being with. I don't know. It was just, it felt like a second breath of fresh air that I didn't even know that I had it when I when I started it. I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. How did I not know? I think mostly it's, um, it could be because I'm always, like, a little bit of a um, radical and always trying to do the opposite thing. So when cycling was, when I started getting into cycling, it was still, like, very new and it was it wasn't as popular here in southern california as it was in northern california and then i got into like the like i said the midnight riders and it was just a different community so for anyone who's never experienced that you just got to give it a shot and then you'll just fall in love <laughs> i i love the powerful message that bicycling is freedom it's joy it's it's a lot of things and that's such a special thing for us to to experience and for us to even share with other people just to put everybody on the spot if we can go around in a, in a circle how how could you commit to to sharing that with someone else and what kind of work would you do so that someone else can experience that too well i'll start i'd say i would take people to ciclavia and then i'll get them to get involved <laughs> in it that way because once you see that event you you'll just fall in love all over again <laughs> yeah so that's my that's what i would do to get people my commitment is to take them to the april event <laughs> anybody i'm along the same lines and actually that's the work that i do um outreach for cyclavia we go along the route um about two months beforehand and we talk to residents and businesses and they're really big battles with these residents and businesses. All they hear is we cannot move our cars into the street but then I'm out there sharing my experiences and then of course I'm a, I again use the woman card. You know I'm out here and I'm <laughs> having fun and um, I do every bit of my power and you know experience to share that with them and to share that with them and you know have them really excited about something and it's always good to see that 180 turnaround from you know from businesses that are like well you guys are closing this down and you guys are just going to ride your bikes and we're not going to get our clientele on the contrary you're going to get clientele that's going to be a little bit more level to see what you know what's going on and not only that you're you're going to be able to, if you're not even working you could come and experience it yourself as a really life-changing experience you see downtown you see los angeles in a different perspective and so yes i'm on, i'm on the same route too as well just reaching out to those folks and changing their ideals of how they feel about cyclists yeah Also, like, what just me riding a bike uh, uh, gives like really, really good uh, shows really good examples of like 
you can ride ten mile, like five miles, like three miles, or whatever whatever distance it is. You can ride that distance even as a woman. So I I try to like sh- like uh, convince my 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 female friends that you know you can actually ride uh, three miles distance that you're actually driving. Yeah, if anything, it's because I cycle, I reach out to my inner circle. Like, my family and my friends, they're like, oh, she she cycles, what? But they know now, now they know someone that cycles. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of curious for everyone here. Does anyone have, like, concerned family members that when you <laughs> cycle, they're like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> no, does anyone? I have coworkers. Oh, yes. I have oh, yes. immediate family. My mom calls me every day. She's like, I just want to make sure you're still alive. And I'm like, <laughs> well, no, I'm all right. I'm all right. But uh, no, she, I mean, she knows the kind of work that I'm involved in. She knows how much I love this and how much it affects me daily. You know, just, it. I even tell her, like, this, sing, you know, this pulls me from, like, even if it's a bad day, like, it could really just make a good, you know, a positive effect. And it, um, I think um, there was a question that was asked about, or not question, but there was something that I, I had answered earlier about the way um, biking makes me feel when I go to work. I mean, it just really just uplifts me. It gives me a bit, bit, ah, bit more positive outlook on just, like, going to work and just I feel refreshed. And so, I mean, that's the idea I got across to my parents and my family members and my friends. I mean, I used to have friends that would still – to this day, they're still offering me a ride. And I'm like, no, 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 I prefer <laughs> Trust me, I, I love it. I love it. And even if it's cold, I'll be out there. I'll be paddling hard. <laughs> Does anybody I, else? I think combining my love for bikes with my love for nature. So yeah. like a beach ride or trying to find ways where people can do a tiny bit of a portion of the ride on the streets, but having most of it be along the riverbed or like in the protected bike path. So then they're more likely to go on this ride if I tell them like only two miles is going to be on the street and you're going to be in the middle. We're going to have someone at the front, someone at the back, like you'll be safe. Um, And the rest of the ride, you could just be in a very secure space versus inviting them to a ride that's completely on the streets. I think is very helpful into getting new cyclists out. We're still figuring out the phone situations here. I mean, how I don't know. I'm sure all of us have had this experience where someone that you know, you know, like we were, you were just mentioning, like your sphere of influence has come up to you and said, "So I'm thinking about getting a bike. Can you tell me what kind of bike to get?" You kind of face palm because, like, man, there's so many bikes out there. I don't know what you want to do, but that's your chance to get to share like your excitement. And when you get excited for them. They're, that's it. They're hooked. They're in it. They know that they're making this, like, really great decision and they're entering, like, a community or something. So, hello. Now we got our phones working. Melissa, are you there? No. Hello? Melissa? Okay. <laughs> Mm-mm. Oh, wait. Oh, I know. Oh. So. We'll edit. Hello? Oh, there Hello, she is. Hello, Melissa? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, Am sorry. We were having some technical difficulties with the phone, but we got... No worries. We got you through. So, hi. I want you... Melissa, um, thanks for calling in and for this special Absolutely. edition My of Women's Bike Talk. 
Women Talk Bikes. My pleasure. Are you guys, <laughs> are you guys having a good time? We are. Yeah, we were Great. having some really interesting conversations. And so, and just explain our roles of what we do in the community. So I'm going to give you the floor so what, on, your, uh, on your work in Pedal Love. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm the director of Women on Bikes California, the initiative of the California Bicycle Coalition. And we have a website called pedallove.org. We uh, launched in November, but we're actually a little bit older than that because we started as Women on Bikes SoCal out of Long Beach in September of 2011. And I guess our first claim to fame was that we raised money to host the very first league-certified bicycling instructor class as a scholarship for women. And, and I, I think we have two of the ladies that took that class. We do. Yes, we have two of who, our. Who are you? Say uh, your name. Say a shout out. Who are the ladies that took the class? It's Maria and Henny. Are both uh, Henriette Alamillo are both uh, graduates of that class. Okay. That's us. Thanks for the scholarship. Yeah, <laughs> thank you again. <laughs> we're we're teaching all the time. We promise. <laughs> and that was the that was the plan was that we wanted women from underserved communities to, that were really interested in being teachers rather than just having a uh, saying yeah I'm a, I'm an LCI so I'm a uh, I'm really a badass. I don't know if I can say that online. You can uh, you can get as crazy and, as you want. It worked, out, it worked out better than we could have hoped. It, it's a great group of, of women that graduated. They've gone on to do a lot of teaching with LACBC, which was the plan. And thank you very much to Jen Klausner and Colin uh, for holding my hand through the whole episode. And so that was our beginnings, and now we've kind of, we're going on to some new and exciting things um, a lot around the media and storytelling, and so we're really excited about our new uh, leadership and new media training called Active Living Plugged In that we'll also be doing in collaboration first with the LACBC in mid-March, and we'll be doing these trainings across the state because we think that if we can train 500 people over the next three years with a big emphasis on women and people from underserved uh, communities to be great spokespeople, whether it's live or for the media, that we can use this state that we have, the state of California that's the most powerful media state in the country, that we can grow bicycling in really new and exciting ways because the the inspirational stories of bicycling are not really getting out there through traditional and new media yet. We're sort of stuck Mm -hmm. in traffic. And that's not bad. It's great that the traffic reporters are writing about us, but we want to move beyond cars versus bikes. I know you all want to as well. And we want to get into the stories of, I know Maria has a great story. I know Henny has a great story. I know Jen Klausner has a great story. Every one of you that are there tonight has a great story and that will call in. You have stories that will inspire other women and people to get on a bike if we can get it out to the right media in the right ways. And so that's what we're really focusing on. And so the first training will start in March here at Los Angeles? Yes, the first training will be in... Yes, and we'll be uh, beginning ready. If you go to pedallove.org and you sign up for our emails, we will be sending out the applications um, probably by uh, the middle of the month. And it'll be a, a, a small class. It'll be about 25 people for an intensive day and a half. Okay. And um, we're looking to uh, to really find our superstars and and get the right leadership training to the right people to become uh, 
spokespeople and ambassadors for bicycling and active living in California. Okay, so then if any if anybody wants to really take this class, they can kind of start signing up for it online and see if they're... They, yeah, they can sign up for our email, or they can send me a note and tell them uh, they can write to me at melissa at org and tell me they're interested, and we'll make sure they get all the information about applying for the class. Oh, wow. Well, and is it, um, is it uh, free, or is there a cost for it? Well, we're raising money. It's, uh, we're, well, we're, we... Our big hope is that we're raising money now so that we can offer at least half of the positions of scholarships, because that's what we really want to be able to do, is get the people in there who need the um, training the most, but aren't necessarily in the position right now to be able to afford it. So if people are listening and they want to actually donate as well online, we've got lots of great products, all kinds of levels of donations. That helps us make this possible. Yeah, so, that's, an awesome, yeah that's an awesome training. I, I really hope that you guys get a really big, diverse group of women Maybe some Maybe of us from the show or just anyone listening in or just someone who doesn't even, hasn't even heard of the show, but they would be perfect to be a person Exactly. To and that's training. actually, I don't know if Maria and uh, some of the others talked uh, uh, talked about this at all, but when we did, when we first did our original outreach for Women on Bikes California, I was a big Twitter person <laughs> and with a media background so i had gotten clients like on socal connected through twitter from like the very beginning of twitter starting and and i actually connected with maria and mashiko both through sort of fashion blogs and <laughs> fashion not blogs. through bike advocacy because they weren't uh, mashiko was another one of the graduates they weren't actually bike advocates at the time and so that's one of the powers of storytelling, fashion, and style is that it just throws out this gigantic net of people for us, for us to bring in talent. And I say to people, listen, I don't care if people are riding a bike because it's red <laughs> and it matches their shoes. Great. You don't know. Once a person starts riding a bike again, you don't know what's going to happen next, right? Because yeah. that, having that empowerment of getting around on your own steam is going to open up all all kinds of other avenues for women to find empowerment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And they probably a lot of women don't know that this opportunity is out there. They just need to, you know, explore the different right. avenues that are out there. Every I feel like a lot of things connect in the cycling world, and you marvelous just marvelous things connect in the cycling world. <laughs> and for most people that are riding bikes, they have no idea what bike advocacy is. No. So we're still kind of new, and uh, people are like, what? Uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, did um, anyone here in the studio have that experience where you were like, what's advocacy? And then you found out and you thought it was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> we, we have a huge challenge in UCLA because like, it was about like 2,000 people bike to UCLA, but we only have three 300 members who are in our Google group. And actually the active members in our group is – like less than 10 people I would say so there's a huge gap between uh, they, there's a huge gap between like regular cycling population and um, like cycling advocates in UCLA yeah. and it's really hard to outreach to like the whole population and because they're not interested or they don't know about it and we're struggling with uh, yeah Let's talk about that a little bit because this is one of the things that I want to bring up as as being one of the people that's the uh, that pushes the style angle and the fashion angle, and that is that the word advocacy for a lot of people. I've been told by some really brilliant uh, style people 
gosh, that word's just too earnest for us. That's mm-hmm. really, ugh. And I think when we, from the, we have a really broad array of people that write for us at Petal Love, and I try to be really open-minded about why people decided they wanted to ride a bike. And we can't, we can't turn our nose up at that fashion and style, they're gigantic markets with powerful marketing, and we really need to learn from what they're doing because they're about fun and joy and sometimes an advocacy because we know what we're doing is such a wonderful thing and we want other people to feel just as good as we do. We can be a little heavy-handed, and we can forget the fun, the joy. Sometimes we can be a little too athletic with the rides, like the rides we think because we can ride uh, 30 miles easily that, the ride should be 30 miles. And what I've learned here and also struggling with my own health challenges is that sometimes uh, it's okay to just ride a couple blocks. Sometimes people have to just really take baby steps. And I think that's sometimes what what fun can remind us, that, that this has to be about a good time first. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, yeah. And I, I think... Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Melissa. No, no, no. So I just... That's, I think... I know that I've been in, in places in my life where uh, with bike advocacy and other things when I've just been really like on a soapbox and it's about the sedentary disease pandemic and it's about the fact that 40% or half of kids are going to have diabetes and I get off on it and then I see the people that I'm talking to, their eyes are glazing over. <laughs> and um, they're like, and then they're like, yeah, but didn't you just get a new bike that's like those bikes from Belgium? It's really cool and really stylish and it's... Um, it kind of looks like the BMW of bikes. Oh yeah. Okay. Did you want to just like? Did you want to ride it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You don't. You want me to shut up about diabetes? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess some people don't really think about those things. They just think, and that it's probably a one train thing. But like I said, um, the the world of cycling is so big and wonderful that they don't really understand that there, or not a lot of people really um, grasp that concept that it could affect your health or it could affect you know, public safety or could make the road safer and, you know, a better community for all. It's just uh, that that message is getting out there and it's just taking a, it's it's getting out there, though. It's a lot more than it what it used to be. It is getting out there. And I think I need to wrap up because you guys will have your next caller. But here, this is what I want to leave you guys with. We're really fortunate in California. California has more executive directors, uh, female executive directors of uh, bike advocacy organizations than any other state, I believe. And what they've done uh, in San Francisco, a lot of us can learn from, which they have over 10,000 members in the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. They're the third most powerful like lobby group in the city, and they really make it about education and fun. And it's like the real hip uh, card to have to be a card-carrying member of the San Francisco Bicycle Coalition. And so I think it uh, to those of you who are struggling at UCLA and you're not struggling. You're making strides, but you have big dreams about where you want to go. Um, I think that that shows us the path, and everybody that's been on this show and will be on after me is a part of the powerful, positive change that's happening, and it's so exciting. So I want to thank you guys very much for having me, and I think I need to bow out and say goodbye, and we'll talk very again again soon. Yeah, actually, you know, we are we have a few more minutes before our call, but before you head oh, on okay, out, okay. Um, I'll ask a question to you and to everybody else, and this was a question asked to us by John Trendler is, are there any cycling role models that we have in any 
for us, whether it be a pro racer, a company, or an advocate. And I feel like you've been inspired. Have you been inspired by an individual, Melissa? Has anyone here been yeah. inspired by a yeah. role yes. model? I definitely have. Uh, I definitely have. And I'll start out and say I was really fortunate uh, in the sense that I was somebody in Long Beach that was working on media to get Long Beach uh, in the greater press, uh, lifestyle press, uh, because I love my hometown where I was born so much. And I was actually invited to think about and become involved in bike advocacy by Georgia Case. She, uh, she and her husband actually founded Bike Station 15 years ago with the city of Long Beach. So that was the pr- first public bike parking in the United States. Um, and they knew that the city of Long Beach had hired Charlie Gandy. Um, so the team from Pedal Love and Women on Bikes California all know Charlie, but Charlie's a top national bike advocate, biking and walking advocate, and really he's, he's my mentor and partner, and he's a champion of all of us, and he's saying really that what's happening now is that it's time for women to take the lead. He just wrote a blog for us today uh, on a, uh, Travels with Charlie about that, about Now's our time, and as Jen Klausner and I have talked about it, the stars are really lining up for women in bicycling about what we can make happen. It's just a really exciting time to be involved in this. Is there anyone else who has a mentor or role model? Yeah, um, definitely, and I think more it's a group of people. Um, I think a big like a huge actually event in my life was participating in the tour of the dreams because it really, it made me realize that I could use bike cycling or riding my bike as a tool to also advocate for other, other issues that were very, very important to me. And the tour of the dreams is a nine day bike ride that goes from UC Berkeley to UCLA. And the purpose of this ride is to fundraise for scholarships that go to undocumented students. And like I mentioned before, I was undocumented for over 24 years. So this was a way for me to use what I had um, and to meet new people, to talk to other people, to feel like I had a community all across California and to really push ourselves and to use the public space that was available to us, not only to show that there were plenty of young brown people on bikes, but also that contrary to some stereotypes, um, we weren't just lazy and bums and just riding our bikes for fun, but we were using to further our education. So definitely I think um, there's countless of people who I know who have used um, their bike as a means to spread other social justice messages and also just to empower individuals in their rights all around. Because once you learn about your rights um, on why you can get ticketed or why you can or your right to be on the road, not just a car's right, you start seeing yourself in, you, in a new light and you start um, pushing forward to ask for the respect you deserve in different spaces. still here? Yes, I want to give a shout out to all of the people who bike out of necessity as well because they inspire me. They really have no excuses. They ride no matter what and that that has really inspired me as someone who wanted to commute. Um, and, you know, I took my baby steps because I still do a multimodal commute. I don't just bike. Um, I use the train and the bus. I bring my bike on there, and it's been so helpful for me. But for everyone I see out there just biking, 
just and they're not even really engaged in the work that we do but they do it anyway and no one's really like inspired them to bike they've just always been biking those are the people who really really influence me and inspire me to work harder to do this to make biking accessible to everybody awesome well, you know, Melissa, now we have our, our, our second caller coming in. Beautiful. So I'm going to say thank you so much for calling in. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you all for sharing who inspired you and keep going. Uh, you are an inspiration. To, everybody here is an inspiration to somebody that's listening tonight. So thank you guys all very much. Have a great evening. You too. Thank you. Thanks, Melissa. Bye-bye. And I believe our second caller is Cynthia. Cynthia Rose, are you there? Hi. You are. Hi. I am. I am on out and about and ran, and range roaming around on the streets of Santa Monica. <laughs> I, I figure you're out and about on your bike, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, um, walking or biking—that's my mo. That is. And if uh, how about I give you the floor so you could introduce yourselves to our listeners? Okay. Uh, well, my name is Cynthia Rose, and I am the director and co-founder of Santa Monica Folk and the uh, kind of the um, catalyst behind the local chapters program for LACBC, yes. proudly. <laughs> uh, I am uh, have become a fixture here in Santa Monica in just sticking my nose in pretty much anything and everything that involves city politics so that we can affect the change. So when people think of Santa Monica and it comes to cycling, do is it you that they think of first when it comes to... Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if they think of me first, but they definitely will likely have seen or heard of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, with um, all the work you do, yeah, you do a lot in Santa Monica. Um, well, could you explain how it used to be before Santa Monica spoke was a chapter? Was it a very was Santa Monica a bike friendly city before all of this ever happened? I'm not really familiar with Santa Monica's history. Being a beach town, Santa Monica is just by default almost is bike friendly or bike bikeable. We're flat. We're by the ocean. We have uh, temperate weather. You know. The list goes on. I think what makes a difference, uh, what made a difference for us and for me in Santa Monica, and I think for what we've done here, is that we have a very in- talented and engaged city staff. But until they had um, support and advocates on the street, it made them hard to get some of the programs they would have liked to have seen go through, get passed. So what we've done is we have empowered our city staff and we have empowered our, our, our constituents to be more involved and to affect um, the change. Right. That's so that's, that's, I mean, we, we did, we, in Santa Monica, when I say we, we, uh, we created a, an award-winning bike plan in pretty much 11 months and I really didn't think it was possible until we actually did it. So yeah, it wasn't a half-ass awesome. bike plan. It's <laughs> actually a kick-ass bike plan. <laughs> and that was from concept to adoption in less than 12 months. Yeah, I, I saw, like, really, really progressive changes in, like, less than, I would say, just one year or 
or two. It was really, really impressive and really inspiring for the city of L.A. How do you feel the community of Santa Monica has been responding with that? Uh, they've responded like like a lot of communities do. They're they're very excited, but um, the the challenge at that point is when things start getting better, it's harder to get people engaged because they become complacent. And we still have in our eyes still a lot to do, and we need to keep people engaged and watching and and keeping the ball moving in the direction that we want it to go. Does anyone? That's, that's, Oh, that's part, that's part of the reason that we stay involved. We realize that it's, and I think a lot of us do, it's just harder to, to, um, to spread ourselves so thin. It's like we realize, especially in a smaller city, uh, like Santa Monica, is that every single thing that's going on in the city is actually affecting everything that we do. So if it's a development, if it's uh, an area plan, Hi, um, if it's uh, um, a lot of things. So those, so we have, that's, that's one of the things that we've done is really um, reach out and become part of all of the, the different aspects and levels of government. Not just the biking and walking and supporting them. Uh, Cynthia, one one thing, you know, I understand what you're saying. A lot of people think it's Santa Monica. They don't need any more help. We need to work on a L.A., even though that may not be true, that there's still there's layers to um, infrastructure um, and safety for everyone. But is Santa Monica Spoke also working um, or uh, conceptualizing the idea of, you know, there's the surrounding communities and neighborhoods and cities of L.A. where people live because they can't necessarily afford Santa Monica. And then they're also sometimes a cause of the car traffic going into Santa Monica. But is there a way that we can really make um, bicycle infrastructure uh, better extending outside of Santa Monica to increase bicycling into the city? So that's actually that's a big part of what we do because we are because we are part of a bigger city, and that's why LACBC and all the local chapters is so important, because that provides us with a connection and uh, uh, just sharing with each other, collaborating with each other on how we can help each other. But in Santa Monica, since we're, we have, you know, ocean on one side and then different cities on all sides, or LA on all sides of us, it's a big part of what we do is the regional connection. So we, we participate with the Southern California, the, the Westside COG, which is the Westside Council of Government. Everything that we do, we think about the regional integration and, and how we can, um, how we can make that, uh, a synergy between what we're doing and what is happening just on the other side of our borders. And what you said was very, very, uh, important that a lot of the people that cause the traffic congestion and possibly some of the dangers to cyclists and pedestrians in Santa Monica are visitors. And it's very difficult to um, educate people who don't live in your own city. You can send out mailers and you can have campaigns if you're dealing with residents. But when you're dealing with a transient population, which are either tourists or, um, or visitors from another city that are just working here or visiting, it's a difficult Thing to make happen. We have our population goes from ninety thousand to three hundred thousand just about every day. Wow! So you can see it's like our, it, it triples yeah. in in uh, 
in this traffic and people coming into our city. So it it just it, it exemplifies how important it is to find other means of transportation to get people in and out of the city so they're not driving in single passenger vehicles. Yeah, and that's what makes um, education really important when it comes to these type of things is that it's not just for one person or for one type of resident in the city. It's for everybody in L.A. County and all the state of California. And that's just something that needs to get more addressed for everybody to have that access and understand that when they're on the road, when they're visiting a different city, when they're on a, on a road that's not familiar to them, they need to just be respectful of the rules of the road, like everybody. Yeah, I think that's part of what makes the El Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition and our local chapters such an important um, uh, movement for not just Los Angeles, but I think as a model to take other areas. We are unique in that we have actually 88 municipalities in Los Angeles County, but there are other areas that have, you know, substantial... Uh, different municipalities that they're working with, and that's part of the reason that I'm also, uh, if I may toot my horn slightly here, yes, you uh, may. I'm also a, a, a board member of the California Bike Coalition because I think that the same with the local chapters, it is imperative that we are engaging people at the very local level all the way up to, you know, the, the regional level, the state level, and the national level. Yes. That's how we make a change is by connecting all of those by, by having that, we don't have to have the same voice, but we have to all be speaking to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Well, thank you so much, Cynthia. I'm going to I'm gonna move on to our next caller who's coming in as we're getting close to wrapping up our show in the next uh, tw- 25 more minutes. So I'm going to thank you so much for calling in and sharing your experience with us and being part of this, this special show. I look forward to listening to it. Yes, oh, and yes. I can mention one thing since it will be on this weekend. We have yes, our please. mango project. Huh? Oh, yes, please. Yeah, we have our mango project, which is uh, the Michigan Avenue Greenway, which is the first neighborhood greenway project in Los Angeles area. Ooh. I mean, they have greenways in Long Beach, but we are it's going to council on Tuesday, and if you visit smspoke.org in the next few days, it will give you a place that you can sign on and find, like, template letters or just what's going on with the project and how you can help us support it. Because, of course, we have people that are anti-diversion and car-centric that are trying to block the project. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing so, for you. that for us. Okay. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, you and too. we have our next caller, Lauren. Lauren, is she there? Hi. Hi, Lauren. All righty. So thank you so much for being part of this special special show with us tonight. Oh, thank you so much for including me. It's I, an honor to be a part of this group. Great. I'm going to give you the floor so you can introduce yourselves to our listeners. And, and um, I know you're doing some awesome work in the city of Carson. So That is correct. Um, right now I am managing a project that's called Connecting Carson. It's a joint project between the UCLA Prevention Research Center and the City of Carson. I'll be developing an active transportation plan and then implementing it over the next few years. Active transportation just refers to walking, biking, or taking public transit. That is part of your daily routine. And the idea is that if you have walking and biking built into your daily errands to school or to work or to shopping, you're much more likely to get your exercise in throughout the day than if you just signed up for a gym membership and then just 
like most people never go. Yeah. Yeah. How is that? Um, how's that going in Carson? It's great. It's a really wonderful project and a great community. One of the reasons I was most attracted to this project is Carson, it's an incredibly diverse city. It's um, 25% black, 25% white, uh, 25% um, Asian and Pacific Islander, 25% other. It's 40% Latino. So you have a whole mix of a diverse group of people. And studies indicate that racial minorities are actually the fastest growing group of cyclists. Um, And even though they're the fastest growing group of cyclists, they're actually far more likely to to undergo an injury while biking. Hmm. And that is in part because many of these communities uh, don't have the bicycle infrastructure in place yet. So I'm excited to be a part of this project and to be bringing bicycle and pedestrian infrastructure to Carson and hopefully encouraging people to walk and bike more to be healthier and also just to prevent more accidents and promote safety. Yeah, so we have Laura from Multicultural Mobility. Do you agree with what Lauren said about um, the fastest growing minorities and being ones that are, um, what was that, Lauren? You said that they were most likely to also be injured. injured. Oh, I think the studies uh, indicate that while racial minorities are the fastest growing group of cyclists, they also are more likely to get injured um, in part because of a lack of infrastructure in those communities. Definitely. Um, I think that's true. And I think there's also new light being shed on cyclists who have been riding for a while, but because they're not part of the advocacy circles and they're not going to a lot of the meetings where we're going, um, I think they haven't been recognized for a while. But also just looking at our general population, um, it's becoming more uh, multicultural. So it's an it's inedible that there's more cyclists who are from multicultural communities. And unfortunately, yes, the infrastructure is lacking um, in in low-income communities, and it's unfortunate that there is a disproportionate rate of accidents. And that's just from the ones that are reported. I'm sure there's tons and tons of accidents that go unreported, so I don't know how we would get a more complete picture of that whole situation. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, we have some really good news in Carson. Um, The city was just awarded $3 million in federal funding to build bikeways, so most of the major streets in Carson will have bike lanes in just the next few years. Oh, wow. That's awesome. That's, that's a really awesome... Sorry, I'm, I'm just going to have to jump in and, and say crashes instead of accidents because <laughs> a couple of my bike mentors would probably make sure that I did that. <laughs> you, want, you want them to know their crashes or accidents? Collisions. That their crashes or collisions. Uh, yes, yeah. Collisions, of course. <laughs> because if everyone followed the rules, it wouldn't be an accident. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, how is it when it comes to biking? Or have you biked around in Carson, Lauren? How is the scene? I actually have. Uh I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't go out there on a bike or walk. Uh Um, There's actually been some times that I've biked to work, too. Okay. Um, And, you know, I bike everywhere whenever I can, and I'm very comfortable biking right in the heart of traffic in downtown Los Angeles or all all over L.A., and I do feel a little bit wary of biking in Carson, um, <clears throat> mostly because there, well, because there aren't bike lanes, 
And because there are many cyclists, I don't feel like the drivers are accustomed to cyclists, so they're not used to sharing the road. Um, as a result, I feel a little scared whenever I do bike there. And yeah. once the clock changed and it started getting darker, I stopped commuting there uh, at night. But so you do feel like when you come, like, when it's nighttime, you don't you find that safety is not. Is an issue. It's a big yeah, thing. Yeah, I feel really scared. I feel like the drivers can't see me. Yeah, also Carson is, like, very industrial in some part, so that makes it harder for some Absolutely. Cars. Yeah. It's, it's, feel safe. There's a lot of really big trucks that it's just hard for them to see a cyclist, but they would be able to see a bike lane. Yeah, or a separated bike lane. Um, that's one thing, too, when it comes to, like, working in cities that aren't so dense is that the drivers have a different mentality there. They just, like, for for example, Pomona, uh, or in the Pomona Valley, Covina, those um, those cities always feel like those drivers own the road. Yeah, you know, Carson actually is denser than I think most people would think. It, it has about the density of downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, in some places, it's about 6,500 people per square mile. I think it's just that the roads, they're so wide, and there really just is this mentality of this car culture. So So I think it it does have the density, but I I just don't think people are used to sharing the roads. You mentioned diversity in Carson, and is there, like, any specific strategy to approach to those uh, diverse community, like Latino communities or Asian black communities, to be in part of that? process of active transportation plan? Absolutely. This project built in has an extensive community engagement component. And we, I, um, I actually can't be there in person. The reason I'm calling in is because I'm coming back from a stakeholder interview. And we're having, norm, um, we're having numerous uh, focus groups, stakeholder interviews, and workshops that we engage different groups um, that are representative of the community's diversity to participate. A bilingual, of course, as well. Mm-hmm. So um, also one thing to point out, because um, our next caller is coming in, is the velodrome is in Carson. Has anyone here ever experienced? Is it the velodrome? Am I saying mm-hmm. it correctly? Yeah. Has anyone ever been yeah. there? Anyone Ooh, experienced yeah. it? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> oh. Yeah. The yeah, velodrome, it's a wonderful resource for Carson. It was built in 1984 for the Olympics, and the Velodrome actually, they allow the Carson Bike Coalition, which is the newest chapter of the Los Angeles County Bike Coalition, to have their meetings there. So it's really exciting for um, when this group meets, so they get to be in the Velodrome, which is just a a beautiful venue. Um, And it also helps organize a bike ride, a bike train down from Los Angeles to the Velodrome. Awesome. Um, we're just going to go and you kind of introduce yourself in, in the project you're working on. Can you hear me, Daniela? Okay, all right. Oh, there are other call-ins. Lauren. Yes. One quick tip. How can people survive biking and living in downtown L.A.? <laughs> oh, I live in downtown. Well, fortunately, it's a lot easier to bike here because there's now bike lanes everywhere. So my tips would be stick to the streets that have the bike lanes. Um, I usually am on 7th or Main Street. 
And then whenever you are want to get out of downtown and you want to avoid those hills, take the Second Street Tunnel, which has that awesome new dedicated bike lane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My new well, favorite. Thank you so much, Lauren, for calling in. I think our our, sec- our last caller for the evening is coming in right now. So I appreciate okay. you so much for being part of this show. Oh, absolutely. It was so great to chat. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for all the awesome work you're doing in Carson. You bet. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And then Bye. we have our last caller for the night. We have Nona on the phone. Hey, how's it going? Hi, Nona. How are you? I'm pretty good. Uh, just kind of crazy busy leading up to this big bike festival. I know. Yeah, you, you have a big festival and a big event going on. So I'm going to give you the floor so you can introduce yourself and and the big uh, the festival that everybody wants to listen about. So. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, such an amazing lineup of ladies in L.A. It's amazing <laughs> that we all got to be in the same place or on the same call at the same time, quite the achievement. Um, We were able to pull it off. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. So, yeah, I mean, what I am working on right now is uh, the Los Angeles Bicycle Commuter Festival and Summit. Uh, The idea is really to bring a lot of different pieces together. And um, really my concept was that it would be so cool that we would have the brands, the organizations, the shops, like the co-ops, all of the coolest people making bicycling just amazing in Los Angeles that you might not know how to interact with or come across or talk to and have them there. So anyone who really loves biking can't stay away because it's too cool. But really, the whole festival is for people who aren't even biking yet, or they might bike recreationally, but they haven't made the leap to biking for transportation. Well, that's perfect so we, for a lot of our listeners. <laughs> awesome. Well, I hope they all show up on, uh, you know, February 16th. It's a Sunday from noon until 7. Okay. Where Where is the event going to be held? I'm, maybe you might have mentioned it, but I didn't hear it. <laughs> it is at the Gay and Lesbian Center. Uh, basically, it's Highland and uh, Santa Monica on McCadden. It's one in from Highland. Super convenient. You can take the red line. Uh, there's car parking. There will be rides from across the city. Okay. And, yeah. Awesome. So what inspired you to want to make this festival? Well, I'm originally from Brooklyn, and I moved to Los Angeles having never owned a car and almost became a car person because even for someone with a really deep background in cycling it was still kind of confusing and terrifying for me. And so I got very involved. I started an organization with a friend called LA Bike Trains to help get people commuting. And I spent the last year seeing where people just kind of didn't feel confident or where we couldn't reach out to people. And um, I also worked for the Los Angeles County Bicycle Coalition with the amazing Jen Klausner. <laughs> Thank you, and So I've seen a lot of different perspectives from cycling in L.A., and I feel like one of the ways in which we fail to reach new or curious people is that we don't have enough inclusive parties. You know, there's like an established midnight rider scene, 
But unless you're like 20 years old and male <laughs> and kind of hardcore, it just doesn't appeal. Yeah. So we wanted something that was family friendly. We wanted something that was very like uh, female focused. And, um, you know, I just got incredibly lucky with having a life cycle as a host and underwriter. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's really true because some cycling groups out there can be intimidating for someone that's never really cycled or hasn't really thought about cycling as an everyday or even a once a week type of a thing. They're just some like when I first started cycling, I did not think it was something I could do at first. And even when I did start with Midnight Riders, yeah, it was a very male dominated world. Um, And in fact, the reason why I got into it was because my guy friends told me about it. So if it wasn't a resource like if I didn't feel comfortable in that form I wouldn't really be doing that but because I did I just did it but there's a lot of people out there that just feel like oh no this this group is not for me I'm just not going to do it so yeah and what we want people first of all like most of the instructors uh, in our workshops are all women so we want the authority figures to be women who are you know obviously less judgmental and sort of more open-minded and forgiving in terms of the atmosphere they create for the workshop environment. Um, And we also want people to learn about this through, in some ways, like kind of mundane channels. We want want them to hear about it from their council members, from Mm -hmm. their schools, from their coworkers. It shouldn't be something where it's like, hardcore and in the middle of the night this is like in the middle of a sunday and it's going to be amazing with organic food yeah is anyone here in studio going to be like leading a workshop or leading a ride or the bicycle kitchen is going to have a booth there oh awesome yeah so are the bonacious bike babes and uh she wolf attack team oh cool andrea is going to be on the opening panel lacbc will be heavily represented uh, I think Henny said Ciclavia will be there. Ciclavia is going to be there to talk about all the different uh, plans coming up for Ciclavia. Henny is going to help lead a workshop on volunteer opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, like all the ladies that have talked tonight are going to be either featured or their organizations or something. It's definitely a big community event. So for all our listeners out there, you can actually meet us at this festival. <laughs> and <laughs> you can get an autograph picture with us. <laughs> we'll try not to do the creepy kissy phase. <laughs> hey, hey, Nona. Um, one of the workshops that is going to be at the festival is um, Biking in Heels, I think you had, you yep. had uh, labeled it. And it's sort of got a little bit of a lively discussion going. Like, oh, yeah, on Twitter, I saw that. Yeah, on Twitter, on Facebook <laughs> as well. Um, you know, some people feel strongly against um, continuing this conversation about makeup and clothes and your hair, that there's more to biking. And some people really think it's we should be inclusive to however anyone wants to bike and what their concerns are. I mean, did you consider what reactions might be out there when you were creating some of your workshops? Yeah, well, I mean, I should say I have a very interesting background in that I've been doing these sorts of events and workshops for years in communities that have gone from being very unbike friendly to being extremely bike friendly, as well as crossing different socioeconomic, racial borders. And I've seen, you know, different age range reacts in different ways. 
From my personal perspective, I feel that it does not matter what you choose to wear or present yourself as long as you feel comfortable and happy. Um, and that's really the thing. So if you feel comfortable and happy um, being dressed to the nines and wearing makeup, awesome. I want to support you in that. If you never want to wear makeup in your life and you'll never wear a skirt in your life, that's awesome. I want to support you in that. But it's self-selecting. If this is something yeah. that you are interested in, then we're going to teach you how to do it. And we're going to teach you how to do it without judgment or being prissy. We're just going to show you the practical, like, hey, get on the bike. We're yeah. going to do it with skirt and heels. I'll have two skirts and two sets of heels, and we're going to go on the little <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I think that's good to show that spectrum that anything can be done because some people might feel like, oh, I have to look or be a certain way in order to maybe ride a bike. But that's that's not the case, as we can tell with all everybody here on the show. Yeah. And so um, I think that's a really awesome workshop. I'm kind of looking forward to it. <laughs> um, well, I was really hoping that Krista Carlson would be able to co-teach it. She just published an article. She works for uh, Urban Velo, also works with the bike oven, and she had a really insightful article that I think touched upon all the salient points for and against, and then also kind of just circled around to saying like, hey, all of us express ourselves in all these different ways, and they're all okay, as long as we don't feel obligated or bad about it and from my perspective like I wear hardcore spandex and I wear poofy shit just depending on what mood I'm in yeah yeah just dress your mood and who cares if you take a bike or not you just whatever (laughs) it's not really that important is it no it's not but like it's fun to have a conversation it's fun to like yeah it is (laughs) variety is the spice of life (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there were some questions asked on Twitter on, like, what kind of, like, sweat and makeup. And I think Shioban even mentioned, and she answered using dry shampoo and facial moist wipes. Oh, my God. I co-signed dry shampoo. Go to Sephora and pick it up. Oscar Blandy. I'm not getting paid to say that, but I have the oiliest hair ever, and I think it'll save your life. I I totally agree with the dry shampoo. Um, and I think that it's one of those areas, like, you would never tell women that this one concealer is the one concealer for all women. It just would be impossible. And so I feel like it's as helpful as it is for us to give tips. We also have to acknowledge that this is a journey of discovery. In the same way that not every bike is right, not every product is right. And it depends on how you want to ride, when you want to ride, like... I, for example, now that I live in L.A., I avoid writing in the middle of the day. It's just too damn hot. Like, I'm too white for that. So, <laughs> I like write in the morning. Like, if I if I get delayed in the morning, I will wait until the afternoon because it's not worth getting fried. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. Can and we close out with practice. everybody mentioning one thing in their jersey pocket or bike bag and you can't duplicate what somebody else said? No. Something oh. you can't live without. Oh, Okay. No tubes or tools, because we know you can't live without yeah, no that. But tools, but I, for me, much. it's chapstick. I always need to have chapstick. Yeah. It's the main necessity <laughs> on a bike ride. If I don't have it, I'll stop somewhere and buy it. Anybody you, else? Your ID and emergency contact information. Oh, I'm just saying. In the a Ziploc baggie. Because if you do sweat, you don't want your phone to die. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. 
Nice. Anyone else have any must-needed must goodies in your bag? Baby yes. powder. There Good is one. this one <laughs> bar that I swear if I'm dying in the middle of the city with like, and there's nothing around that I promise myself that I will eat it, and I take it in every single bag. But it has been eight months, and I have not eaten it. <laughs> let's let's eat, eat it today. <laughs> we dare you to eat it at the end of the show. <laughs> I really love the cucumber uh, makeup uh, wipes. Mm-hmm. You oh. can get them in plastic <laughs> tags. Laura yeah, looks like she knows what that is. I've never heard of um, that. <laughs> it's, well, okay, so you can get them at Target. They're, like, they're not that special, and a lot of companies make different versions of them. I love the cucumber. Because it doesn't matter if I'm sweating or if the weather's hot or it's just refreshing. Um, like if I go into a meeting and I want to feel like more centered and grounded, literally it's like aromatherapy. I just smell the cucumber and I'm like more grounded. And it can just fit into a pocket. You put it in a Ziploc or keep it in its pouch. It lasts forever. Um, and you can get them at Target. <laughs> Awesome. Oh. Awesome. I learned something new. I know. I'm tap card. Tap card. Oh, yeah. Tap card. Oh, yeah. Daniela? Yes. Oh, can I give a shout-out to the buff? To the what? The bus? The buff. Uh, this was inspired by Dre. The buff is kind of the greatest thing ever. It basically it's just like a great all-around outdoor <laughs> um, piece of uh, equipment, I guess. It's kind of like a handkerchief, except you wear it. It's like a full circle, and you can wear it around your neck, or you can pull it up over your mouth if the air quality is bad. You can turn it into a headband. You can turn it into a hat. You can turn it into pretty much anything. Oh my and I always wow. try to bite with my buff. Oh, I have one in my has- bag, Lauren. I'm showing them in the studio. If you go to a 70s party, you can wear it as a tube top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to take a picture of that and put it on online yeah, for someone those tweet who don't it. know tweet what it. that is. Because I've never heard of that at all. And Lauren, I didn't even know you were online. You, you scared me. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what's this extra voice? <laughs> Well, I'm actually we're actually hitting our, our last minute, so I'm going to say goodbye to both you lovely ladies on the phone. And uh, I wanted to say... Thank you so much. No, thank you guys so much. And all that information will have uh, Nona about the festival ab- available for people on the Bike Talk blog. Hope to see you all there. Okay, yeah. We see have, you there. We have to have everyone there to take a picture and autographs. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. 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 <laughs> and so I think that comes the last hour of our show. I really wanted to thank everybody for being on this show. Every, all, everybody that's here in the studio, everyone who called in, you guys did such an amazing job. Thank you so much for participating and for answering questions and for having this fun dialogue going on about issues in the women's world of cycling and just cycling and women. We really need... I feel like this medium needs to happen and needs to happen more often, and I'm hoping that this is not a one-time thing. Um, For everybody who asked questions on Twitter, if we didn't answer you, we're really sorry we didn't get to you. We can answer answer them to you personally, or if you want, you can just come to this bike festival and meet us there. (laughs) There's um, one last thing, too. Uh, There's also the bike prom coming up, so, you know. <laughs> it's February 22nd. It's a Saturday at the American Legion Hall in Highland Park. Yes. Awesome. Well, well I was there last time. It was super, super fun. It was it one was. of the best uh, bike events I've ever been. So It's the most I fun really I ever had at prom. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> and what's the theme? A sixteen? It's a sweet sixteen sweet because 16. LACBC is turning sweet sixteen. Oh. And I wanted to say thank you so much to LACBC for giving us this slot, for giving up their monthly slot for this show. So thank you guys so much thank for you. giving us that opportunity. And thank you, Bike Talk, for being awesome and hosting the show and letting us take over the studio. We yeah. took up two rooms here. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, thank you, everybody, for being part of the show. Thank you, everybody. And thank you, all the listeners out there. And we look forward to seeing you more on the road, biking. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS feed link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.